Hi, everyone. This is Grace is on the case. I'm Grace Lynn Keller, and today I have a baffling mystery that unfolded deep in the jungles of Panama nine years ago. After leaving for a hike on a fairly well-traveled route, two tourists were never seen again. But when a backpack is found weeks later, cell phone records, a digital camera SD card, and some very strange photos show that the women were alive in the jungle for nearly two weeks after they were last seen, leading everyone to ask, what really happened? This is the story of Chris Kramers and Lisanne Froon. In the spring of 2014, friends and co-workers Chris Creamers and Lee Sanfroon set off on a trip across Panama together. Originally from Amersfoort, Netherlands, they decided to visit the country to volunteer, improve their Spanish, and sightsee. Their itinerary was to take them to multiple cities, and they were planning on traveling for six weeks. And this was exciting for them. I mean, Chris was 21 and Lee San was 22, and they met through their jobs at a local cafe in town. They were young, hungry for travel and new experiences, and wanted to get a break from their day-to-day lives and do something exciting. So a little over two weeks into their trip, the pair arrived in Boquette. Now, Boquette is situated in the western part of the country, and it's surrounded by jungle, mountains, and river valleys. Its population is only about 20,000, so it isn't that big, but about one-fifth of that population is North American expats, or people from North America living in Panama. So there is a lot of diversity there. Boquette is also known as a cultural hub, and it has lively music and a big theater scene and weekly arts markets. So I can definitely see why Chris and Lisanne had this town on their itinerary. When they arrived, they had planned to spend some time volunteering at a local school, but ended up being turned away and told their help wouldn't be needed until the following week. Because of this, their schedule was now open for some other activities. One of these new activities that they scheduled was a hike on the El Pianista Trail on April 1st. Now, this trail is a narrow pathway situated about two and a half miles from Boquette and within the dense jungle that surrounds the town. It boasts some very pretty views and the opportunity to get up close and personal with the nature of the jungle. At the end of this trail is the Mirador, or the overlook where the dense jungle and rolling hills give way to breathtaking views. On a clear day, you can see the entire town of Boquette, the surrounding area, and as far as the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans on either side. So yeah, it's really no wonder why the women wanted to do this hike. It sounds incredible. So on April 1st, 2014, Lisanne and Chris set off on the El Pianista Trail. According to timestamps from Lisanne's Canon digital camera, they started at the trailhead at 11.08 that morning. On the camera, there are a handful of photos that document her and Chris's hike up the trail, and then timestamps on the photos of the two of them at the Mirador show they made it to the top in just under two hours. So we know for sure that the women made it to the Mirador and stayed for about 15 minutes from looking at those timestamps. But after this period, when the women left the Mirador, they didn't take the same path they took to get up there. Instead, Chris and Lisanne took the north path, opposite the one they took up. Now, the two trails are distinguishable from the Mirador. The south path they had hiked up to get there overlooked the town of Boquette, while the north path only overlooked jungle vegetation. 
The North Path is also reportedly much more difficult to navigate and almost exclusively used by locals for that reason. It can be an advanced hike, even with a guide and navigation. The women were reportedly given this advice to turn around at the Mirador and take the same path down that they took up. So they knew the dangers of going down the North Path. It's also unlikely that they took the North Path by mistake because of the distinct views from the South Path. I've attached a photo of them at the Mirador in the show notes if you'd like to look yourself. Boquette was clearly on one side while the jungle was on the other. They would have been able to tell which direction they needed to head back just by sight, plus they had all that information from locals. Regardless, and for whatever reason, Chris and Lisanne took the North Path after they left the Mirador. We know this because of the photos on Lisanne's camera. There are photos of them on the North Path after the Mirador. I've attached the final photo of the woman found on the camera, a photo of Chris standing on a rock while crossing a stream, looking back at the camera and smiling. Lisanne is presumably behind the camera. This was taken at 1.54 p.m., and it's the last concrete evidence we have of the women being alive and safe. The next evidence we have of the women being alive is an emergency call placed by Chris's iPhone 4 at 4.39 p.m. The number dialed was 112, which is the European Union emergency line, which makes sense since Chris and Lisanne were from the Netherlands. Another 112 call was placed at 4.51 p.m. from Lisanne's Samsung Galaxy. Both of these calls failed to connect. It's unclear what prompted the women to call emergency services, but it can be deduced that something took place between 1.54 and 4.39 on April 1st that left Chris and Lisanne in trouble and in need of help. The next morning, April 2nd, the women failed to meet up with the guide they hired for another excursion. After this missed meeting, the guide got in contact with the host family Chris and Lisanne were lodging with. At the same time, more emergency calls were being made from both Chris and Lisanne's phones starting around 7 a.m. This continues until 10.52 a.m. when 911, the emergency number in Panama, was called from Lisanne's phone. Just a little side note, if you're traveling internationally, please, for the love of all that is good, familiarize yourself with the emergency numbers in the areas you're traveling to. If you get in a situation where you need help, calling your own country's emergency number isn't going to help you, and it's possible the call won't even connect. Just make sure you know what to do in case of an emergency. It could save your life. But anyway, there was actually a brief moment where Lisanne's phone connected on the second, but the signal was so weak that it's probable that the women didn't even know that they had gotten through. But beyond this, no other calls connected. By 6 p.m. that evening, the Froon and Creamer's families were notified that their daughters were missing. Chris's dad recalls sending Chris a phone message, but never hearing back and knowing that something was wrong. On the next morning, April 3rd, the Sistema Nacional de Protección Civil, basically a non-militarized version of the National Guard, and I know I also probably butchered that, apologies, but that system was called out and search teams were formed. Phone records indicate that both women's cell phones were on and being used during the days following their disappearance. The attempts to reach emergency services started this, and once the women stopped trying to call, records indicate that both devices were used to check the time and cell signal in multiple times from the first onward. 
Also on April 3rd, the contact for the host mother that they were staying with, Miriam, was searched on WhatsApp on Chris's phone, but no contact with her was made. Lisanne's phone died on April 4th around 5 a.m. The last time the unlock pin was entered on Chris's phone was on April 5th, but the device stayed active until the 11th, periodically being powered down and then powered back on again, most likely to try and conserve battery life. Searchers continued, but after a month with nothing to go on, the families began offering a reward for $30,000 in exchange for anything that would lead them to their daughters. Despite this, nothing new was found and the investigation began to cool. That is until 10 weeks after the women went missing, when the backpack Chris and Lisanne had been carrying was found in the jungle on June 10th, 2014. It was found by a woman from Alto Romero, a town just north of Boquette. She had gone down to the nearby Calibra River to bathe and found the backpack at its shore. Inside the bag, there were multiple personal items, including sunglasses, bras, and both women's phones, which is how their call records were obtained, and the picture of these two in distress began to come into focus. Lisanne's camera was also found with these belongings, which is why we know where the women were and when on April 1st. Now, earlier in this episode, I referenced the final photo of the women found on the camera, the one where Chris is standing on the rock, crossing the stream on the north path taken at 1.54 p.m. on April 1st. But after forensics looked at the camera and memory card, it was discovered that there was actually additional photos, including one taken shortly after the 1.54 p.m. photo. Unfortunately, this picture had been deleted and was not able to be recovered. This could have happened one of two ways. Either the camera's SD card had a freak glitch that deleted only one photo, or someone would have had to take the card, connect it to a computer, and delete it manually. Either way, this deleted photo becomes the missing link between the women hiking on the North Path at 154 and the first emergency call at 439. So in addition to this mysteriously deleted photo, it was also found that roughly 100 photos were taken on April 8th between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. It appears that the intention of these photos were possibly to document their surroundings because they show mostly dense jungle foliage illuminated by the camera flash, and it also kind of looks like it's raining. Some show trash and debris caught in jungle plants, some show shredded pieces of the women's map, and one shows what could possibly be the back of Chris's head. Reddit user Needed Monster actually stitched these photos together to form a panorama-type image to try and identify the exact spot where they were taken. That image is linked in the show notes if you want to look at it. So with the discovery and then what came to be the first bits of evidence in this case, searches were conducted along the Culebra River, which resulted in a grim discovery. In August of 2014, partial remains of both Chris Creamers and Lisanne Froon were found along the Culebra Riverbed. And these were, again, only partial in the form of disconnected limbs, bones, and bone fragments, and they're all that's ever been found of either woman. Through forensic testing of the remains found, a few things were determined. First, Chris's remains were in a much more advanced state of decomposition than Lisanne's. They also contained extremely high levels of phosphorus, which doesn't match up with the riverbed where they were found. That area has very low levels of phosphorus. Second, Lisanne's remains were much less decomposed than Chris's and did not have the same high levels of phosphorus. 
Her bones also showed no sign of wear and tear, man-made or natural, which suggested that her remains were likely at the river for a very short time before discovery. Finally, Chris's shorts were also found near where the remains were discovered, and they were caught on a tree branch partially submerged in the river. After these discoveries, no more forward momentum in the case was made, and the Panamanian officials closed the case in March of 2015, almost one year after the women went missing. No concrete answers have ever been found on the women's cause of death and what their final days of life were like. So the story seems pretty cut and dry, right? A tragic case of hikers unfamiliar with the area going down a path they shouldn't have and getting lost. And that very well may be the case. There is ample evidence that points to that. But there are also some more sinister rumors that have swirled since the beginning of this case, and I'd like to dive into those here today. The first issue I'd like to raise is that of the missing photo. It's possibly the final item in the camera roll taken before the tragic events unfolded, and it's gone. Yes, that could be because of some freak glitch, but that kind of seems like a huge coincidence to me. And before anyone hits me with the, well, Chris or Lisanne could have just deleted it, I want to point out that the way those digital cameras work is that just deleting a photo via the camera doesn't actually scrub it off the memory card. The only way to do that would be to remove the photo via computer while the SD card is inserted, or again, a freak glitch. But it's kind of like on iPhones, you know, when you delete a photo and then it goes into the recently deleted folder, you can still access and recover that image until you go into that and fully delete it from your device. So yeah, I don't know, it just feels spooky to me. The next point I want to bring up is the varying states of decomposition between Chris and Lisanne. Chris's remains were in a far more advanced state of decomposition than Lisanne's were, and the varying levels of phosphorus also raised questions about where exactly both women's remains were located before being found. This evidence leads to the conclusion that Lisanne was alive longer than Chris, and that Chris's remains spent time in an area where Lisanne's did not. Now, is it possible that Chris died of natural causes related to the situation of being lost in the jungle before Lisanne also succumbed to the same circumstances? Yes, that is possible. But then why and how were they found in the same area as each other if Lisanne was alive longer and continued her trek to try and reach safety? The phone evidence also supports this. The last time Chris's phone's pin was entered to actually unlock the device was on April 5th, but it was being used to check the time and signal until April 11th. The assumption could be made that the reason the phone was never unlocked again after April 5th was because Chris had possibly already died and Lisanne didn't know the pin to unlock it. Remember, Lisanne's phone died on the 4th, so if her friend had passed and she was now alone, Chris's phone would be the only device she had access to that wasn't yet out of power. There are just a lot of small pieces in this case that really make one scratch their head. At a 30,000-foot level, it's easy to take a look and say, yeah, they probably got lost, were unprepared to be in the jungle for that long, and unfortunately were never able to make it out. But when you go into the details with a the microscope, there are just definitely some weird things happening. At the end of the day, we will most likely never know the exact fate that Chris Creamers and Lisanne Froon met in April of 2014 out in the jungles of Panama. The one sure takeaway I can give you is that you should always know the emergency numbers for the area you're in, especially when traveling, and you should never hike any trail without proper supplies, including survival equipment, no matter how easy or difficult the hike is supposed to be. 
So thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoyed this episode. All of my source material is listed in the show notes and on the show's website, gracesonthecasepodcast.com, and you can contact me through there or Instagram DM at gracesonthecasepodcast for comments, corrections, or suggestions for future cases. I'll see you all for our next case. Music